Second hour, Darren, Donick, and Chase. Willie Donick, Chase McCabe here with you today. Darren is out. Chris Domino joins us from 680 The Fan in Atlanta. A huge Game 5 for the Braves as they take on the Cardinals. Winner moves on to the NLCS against the winner of the Dodgers and the Nats. That is the nightcap out of Dodger Stadium tonight. So, exciting baseball in the works. So, we'll talk about that at 1130. Coming up in just a moment here, we'll listen to Mike Vrabel's press conference. He will take the podium here in, in a moment. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders football team is back in action on Saturday, just in case you did not know. They're on the road against Florida Atlantic. That is Lane Kiffin's bunch. Kickoffs at 3 o'clock on 102.5 The Game and on 97.5 in Murfreesboro. And that is something to always keep in mind. You can always get us on the game app uh, anywhere you want to go. But if you're listening in Murfreesboro on the radio, 97.5 is where you can find us. So we'll see what the tone of this uh, press conference is. And Chase, as we know, uh, Mike Vrabel, just like any coach, frustrated after a loss. So the last couple of press conferences, you know, he's been, uh, you know, a little defensive, a little yeah. frustrated. So let's hear what he has to say today. What do you got, Teresa? Um, you know, we just always try to do what's best for the team. And, you know, after talking about it with, with Craig and John and, and myself, um, you know, we had both those guys in here to work out. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really good workout. And, again, we feel comfortable now um, going forward here with Cody. What did Cody show uh, uh, in that first workout that, you know, maybe didn't push him past Cairo. Yeah, it was, again, it was really close. I mean, I think they, they all made everything um, that we asked them to kick. It was a very competitive workout, a very good workout. And, um, you know, in the Sounds like we lost Mike Vrabel there talking about kickers. Got zapped. He got zapped. Cairo Santos maybe zapped him. I don't know. We'll try and get it back. Well, the Parky story, needless to say, here. nationally is going to be a, a big one here. All right, we got it back. Let's go sure back. Sure that, that he's kind of over things mentally from last year. Uh, you know, we, we just have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to get him ready for the game. Denver, um, that's um, it's a huge challenge. Um, we're going to need to to make sure that we score points um, every chance that we get. You know. Well, we're having trouble with that. I don't know if I don't know if we're going to hear Mike Vrabel today. <laughs> but you can see the line of questioning coming on, on Cody Parkey. I, yeah. I mean, it, you talk about life of a kicker, right? The good and the bad. But when everything's on the line, and Cairo Santos just had the bad experience with this. History is filled with kickers who lose their job because of just going into a rut at the wrong time. But Parkey, you know, hitting the hitting the crossbar, hitting. Mm-hmm. The, the double doing hitting both in the in the one game where everything was on the line. Chicago's not the easiest place to kick, no. as we know. So it's probably a confidence boost to to just get out of there. Soldier Field, I think, would rank up there among the toughest stadiums to kick in. Uh, you start off at 
in Denver, which is probably one of the easier places to kick in terms yeah. of the altitude. Distance is not an issue. I don't know how windy it'll be. That could always be a factor, but uh, at least it's not candlestick. Yeah, that's <laughs> in another San one. Francisco. But getting off to a good start will be so important for him. The mental, well, the mental confidence, just to start fresh, right? If he can get off to a good start, I think any kicker is talented enough to make the kicks. It's all about the mental place that you are, the confidence that you have. You know what's crazy? I heard Braden bring this up yesterday on Morning Drive. They were talking about kicking, and he actually had Cody Parkey's stats up. And from an accuracy standpoint, he's a little bit more accurate than Ryan Suckup, the Titans' actual kicker. I just think now with, you know, they move the extra point back and you have so many of these high-pressure kicks and also everybody expects, you know, back in the day, Willie, kickers, it was like, all right, 40 yards and under, okay, you should make that, 35, whatever. But anything beyond that, like, okay, that's gravy. Now it's if it's 50 to 55, these kickers are expected to make it. And it just so there's more pressure – on kickers in today's NFL than I think there ever have before. And also, you know, if you watch the college game, Alabama's the best team in the country, and they can't get a kicker to save their life. I just don't know how much of an emphasis there is on kicking anymore in the college ranks, and that's going to spill over and translate to the to the NFL. Uh, the college, it's an interesting thing, the college to the pro. There, it, the expectation level is higher for the pros, of course, as you said. Because you, you still know, now need a kicker. Inside of 50 – it's like unless the weather conditions are bad, it's like sure. you need to make that, you know, somewhere around nine out of ten, right? You're going to miss the odd one, but when you're when the guys miss, you're surprised. Now fifty and beyond still is a little bit more difficult, depending. But if you're, if you're inside, then I think you're right. It does. It is like hey, it's fifty, but you're inside. You should make it. Um, so there's just not much margin for error. It is a tough, tough job. But yeah. having gone through what he's been through, this will be a story not just for Titans fans, but you will see on the national shows a replay of that kick a bunch of times. Right. A bunch of times this week. I've already seen it You know, with, with the news that they were going to sign him. Right. I think we might have... Reconnection? We might have reconnection. Reconnection. Three yards deeper, so... There's just there's a lot that goes into it, and once you get out there, being instinctive and, and playing with awareness, and and ultimately uh, doing your job. When you look at Denver as a running game, I guess the thing that jumps out at you most. Is well, I think they're they're with you know that's going to be a huge key is is to be able to to the best of our ability um, c- control these runners. You know, obviously, veteran quarterback has seen a lot. Um, two really dynamic players with different skill sets on the edges, but. But with Lindsey and Freeman, you know, combining for 33 really targets or touches a game, either handing it to them or throwing it to them, uh, that's a lot of production. They had a, they had a great day uh, in San Diego. Um, so that's probably a lot of confidence with them coming in. On the opposite side of that, the run defense for the Broncos hasn't been spectacular. And how much do you plan to kind of continue to work Derek in this game? Well, I mean, I think there's things that we'll always try to do every week, and you know, certainly Derek's a part of that. He's a big part of that. Um, but you know, we, we have to you know, function as an offense and, and be able to throw the football um, and take 11 guys and understand their job and how they 
fit into the the play pass, the protection, um, the route, the timing. Is it man coverage or zone coverage? Um, you know, this week, you know, obviously making sure Von Miller doesn't you know wreck the play before it gets started. He's a very explosive, um, disruptive player who's um, done it for a lot of years. Has beefing up Marcus given you uh, to this point just what, just what you were hoping for? Well, he's been there every snap, so we talked about you know how how critical durability is in this league um, that that you're able to come out and play um, and and be available and and be out there. So um, you know, I, I'm. I guess the durability um, has been there. Does the week begin with maybe a little bit more optimism about getting Cam back, or that to be determined? I think those are all things that are um, yet to be determined. Just kind of see where he's at today and move forward um, as the week progresses. Will he practice? Uh, I may be limited, but I can't answer that until we see kind of how he looks. We, we like guys that try to focus on what they can do and what they as, as opposed to what they can't and so in saying that you know, we'd like to try to see you know what he can do and then we'll make a um, determination after that after he warms up or does or doesn't go through individual as a coordinator Vic Fangio his defenses have consistently been good what is it that stands out about his defenses is it the inside linebackers the edge well, I mean I think traditionally they've always had very good pass defense he's very good um, mixing coverage, it's a very good scheme, but you know the, the players play hard, and it, you know it's always about um, the the players. You know they they have good players, and they they play with great fundamentals up front at the line of scrimmage. Um, safeties are active; they, they trigger. Um, you know the, the corners, um, I think, can play man, can play zone. It's something that it's it's a versatile uh, defense. So. They've always, you know, he's all, Vic's always done well. He's a great coach. Um, but to, to be a great coach, you have to have great players. Um, we'll see. I don't think um, one of those two probably won't be out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's, it, it's always hard. I think we have a lot of specifics and maybe we do things differently than, than whatever he was, you know, doing in Green Bay and, so there's things that um, have have helped us, and there's things that we're just going to continue to try to improve. Um, some of maybe the details that, you know, in our certain call or in our package that were a little different than than maybe what he was doing in Green Bay. But you know, he's helped us on the edge. He's helped us um, on you know, on special teams. Roger Sample saying Monday that uh, still kind of getting used to different coaching and combining that with I think he said his own flavor. Uh, is that is that transition or, or adjustment taking a little bit longer no, than anticipated? No, we're we're going to focus on improving here this week and, and seeing if we can block um, Wolf and, and Harris um, and, and all those guys Walker and, and all those guys for Denver. Um, however, we we can. We're, we're going to try to practice, prepare, learn who to block, and, and and do our best to block our guy. So does his transition need to be complete in order to block those guys? I, I, we, we all have to just be better with whatever transition um, you know we're making. Wouldn't make it harder than what it is. That's what I'm trying to focus to the team. Like let's just let's go practice, play. Um, don't let one play 
determine the outcome of the series or the game or the half or the quarter. Like, there's going to be bad plays. They're going to miss a block. We're going to drop a ball. We're going to miss a tackle. Um, those things are going to happen. But we have to come back with the lineup, communicate with the guy next to us, and, and go compete. What is it that Dalen does well that, that makes you guys like him so much? Um, we thought he had when he was available in preseason. He's got a good burst. Um, I feel like he goes hard. And um, one cut runner who's pretty violent in his cut. So, as a pass protector, um, I think he's improving. I think that he doesn't lack willingness. You know, size, I would say, um, is something that he can't do anything about, but I think he's improving. All right. I'd rather just stand here for a little longer. Enjoy the breeze. (laughs) Enjoy the breeze. Mike Rabel, Titans head coach. All right. On the other side, we'll break down some of the highlights of that, sift through and hit on um, some of the themes that I think will be important. We've already hit on one with the, the kicker change. That's a big one for sure. But we'll hit some of the other ones as well. Stay tuned. This is 1025 The Game. All right. Let's go through some of the stuff we heard from Mike Vrabel as we return here to ESPN 1025 The Game. And don't forget about ESPN 94.9 Game 2, the official English radio home of the Nashville Soccer Club. What a season they have had. It's been outstanding. Listen in. Saturday night as Nashville SC takes on North Carolina FC at Nissan Stadium. Playing in the big house. Another mm. stoppage time winner last night. It's unbelievable. They beat Louisville. The North Carolina FC is coming in this Saturday. So those are two of the teams in the top of the table in the East. So big games, big home games to finish up the regular season. You know, just for for, for personal reasons, just because there's only so much you can you can pay attention to at this time of year. October has always been the, the heaviest month for me and just trying to see everything. I, I just wish the soccer season was a little more condensed so I could focus on what they're doing. Because what they have done is... Really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, they've been an excellent team. And, of course, uh, pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7 on ESPN 94.9 Game 2 for that game on Saturday night against North Carolina. Uh, it's powered by your Middle Tennessee Toyota dealers. Now, Mike Vrabel on the offensive line. Got a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. Roger Saffold struggling. You just got Taylor Lewan back. I, I do think there is reason for optimism that if they can – Build the chemistry between the the group of five. It can get a lot better. It's got to get a lot better. But he does also, in the meantime, seem to be committed to giving Nate Davis a longer look and not throwing Dennis Kelly in there, which he did sort of say, you know, it's an option. Dennis Kelly is a versatile guy. He can go anywhere. It is an option. I didn't get the feeling, though, that that means – we're making a change there. Not not yet. And he also brought up Kevin Pomfield saying that they're trying to get him back in in the mix as well, that he's getting close. So he was he was brought up. Dennis Kelly, he said that he's an option and he's somebody that we can use, but we're he basically poo pooed any idea of moving him to guard at this time. And I think every coach always has that right to say right now or at this time or something like that. But uh, you know, they're gonna see what Nate Davis is. The thing with Dennis Kelly is they, and we saw it last week, they can use him on different packages. He was put in as an extra lineman and an eligible, you know, wide receiver, basically a tight end. 
that we've seen in, in years past, and so they were able to do that some uh, last week in the loss. But uh, I, I think they want to see what they have in the third round pick and Nate Davis, and they should. I mean, at this point, you know, now that he's back and he's practicing and he's played in some games, I mean, you should see what you have in him. And while Taylor Lewan's not going to fix everything and he needs to log off Twitter and get off the bus and all that other stuff, I do think having him back on the offensive line is going to help because he is, he's the best player on the offensive line. So I think he is going to help. Right. We had that conversation yesterday about how he handled himself. I think he, he needs to think about these things a little bit more, but just his talent. Like I, I, I agree. I think simplifying and just playing right now is the way to go. Uh, I would right. limit my talks with the media. I would limit my activity uh, on social media and just let your play and do the talking for a while. I think that's that's got to be it because Saffold is such a critical guy as well. There was there were some questions about, hey, Saffold, and Mike Vrabel didn't get into a lot of individual stuff with him. He said the basic answer was we got we got to block. We got to focus on blocking. And it was right. a pretty interesting it wasn't, hey, well, Roger's struggling with this. He's doing well here. You know, it wasn't – it was a non-answer, right? It was an avoiding answer, right? Mm-hmm. So, big questions along the offensive line. Now, on the defensive and line – And I don't know if those are going to go away. Well, not but not until the they play better. Not until they play better. But, see, I don't, I don't even know – you know, I, I know a lot of people – and I don't want to be one of these hosts that gets on the air and calls for a coach's head and all that stuff. I'm not trying to do that. But do you really miss five times? I mean, you have five guys on the offensive line and something's not working. So I do wonder if at some point they look at, all right, is it is it teaching? Is it coaching? Is it, you know, do they need to make a, have a different voice in the offensive line room? I don't know. I think you have to give it some time, much like we were talking about with the Predators lineup. You kind of have to let it season for a while. You've had one game with Taylor Lewan, so now you got to let him get back and see how he and Saffold work, and you know maybe it's a trickle down effect. But I do have big concerns that is this going to get better? Because you only get sixteen games, right? right. In hockey, you can let things you know two two or three weeks. In hockey, that's six to eight to nine games, depending on the the workload of that particular week. So that's you have more time to let things as you call it, marinate or, or, you know, work together the chemistry. The urgency of the 16-game schedule is, you know, it's it's got to happen. It's got to happen soon or else you're, you're going to dig a hole that you can't get out of. Right now, two and three, you can get out of that hole. But the urgency is is creeping up. Now let's look at the defensive line. We know Cameron Cameron Wake missed the last game. Not Cameron Maben, no. Not Cameron Maben <laughs> or Cameron Make. I don't know if I was making guys up. Uh, Cameron Wake they he gave a sort of a detailed answer on that we got to see what he can do you know it's a delicate thing uh, even if you had him for 15 snaps that might be worth keeping him active sure. especially with Sharif Finch still very questionable they, there was like I, I don't you know he gave us you know Chris Milton Sharif Finch one of them will be out there yeah maybe both, you know they, they don't have to disclose much on injuries on Wednesday you're not going to get a lot of info there but that that position right Reggie Gilbert came in He's had some success. Uh, you know, he, he's looking like a more important guy. You can see why they traded for him very late in the in the preseason. He's been a needed guy. He's played a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the the pass rush is has been a little bit hit or miss, especially just getting that push off the edge with one of those guys. It's a committee that they use, but especially against a guy like Joe Flacco, 
who's not overly mobile, you got to get him off of his yeah. mark, right? He picked him apart last year. He played a really good game for the Ravens last year in that nightmare game that the Titans did absolutely nothing right in. And so Flacco is he's not had a great year so far, but we know he's a veteran guy that if you give him time, he'll he'll get you. Well, and the Here's my problem or one of my problems overall with the Tennessee Titans because we're talking about things that we had concerns about in March. The offensive line and the pass rush. Now, I think this defense is still pretty good. I think the pass rush is a little bit better than we thought it was going to be. I mean, they're, I think, fourth in the league in sacks right now. I mean, they they are getting to the quarterback. I just feel like it could be better. And so the fact that we are still having these talks of, well, these were things we were concerned about you know, before the draft and free agency and all of that, and it's still a concern now in October, that, you know, it's like, okay, what are you doing about it? Now, you brought in some players. Cam Wake is one of those guys that I think is going to be a signing that everybody kind of said, eh, really, 37-year-old Cam Wake? Turns out it's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, what he's he been in there, to be he's, healthy. He, he does his thing, right? He can yes. get after the passer when he's out there. But that was always the concern when you sign a guy at that age is can he? how often can he stay on the field. So that, that is a, a big the, question going forward. The thing with the pass rush is it wasn't very deep. You know, DeAndre Walker was somebody they drafted in the, in the fifth round that they were hoping was going to help him. He's on injured reserve. So I understand it's not all their fault. They, they've been faced with some injuries and they just, they're not deep. But that's a big concern because the pass rush is going to be huge with the Dean Pease defense. And like you just said, Joe Flacco is even, you know, he's not the same Joe Flacco that he was maybe even a year ago, but he can still do some damage. And that's somebody they're going to have to get to if they want to win this game. Also, when you're evaluating the defense, let's keep this in mind. The defense, as you said, it's been pretty good. I would say they've been pretty good. Yeah, they have. They're the bright spot. But who have they gone up against? They have not gone up against a first-rate NFL offense, a powerful NFL offense like the Saints, like the Chiefs, even the Chargers. Right By the time they play the Chargers, I think that's, that's a team with weapons. Indy's offense is an okay offense, right? Not a scary offense. The Garrett Minshew, uh, uh, Gardner Minshew, you know, the unknown, he's he's been all right, but it's it's Gardner Minshew. They faced the Falcons. That's probably their best performance, right, with the talent the Falcons have, but the, the Falcons are a little bit one-dimensional with their offense, right? They haven't been great. They've racked up some yards, but the Falcons are, right. in, in just looking at foot, football outsiders, they're ranked 20th in offense. Buffalo, not a good offense at all, 27th. So, the defense can be better. It's going to have to be better. And the uh, the defensive line, they need pressure from the line or the edge guys, right. right? It can't always be the creative blitz. Dean Pease does a great job of finding ways where one of those defensive backs is coming in unblocked, right? But you can only fool the offense so many times. You need people beating matchups, one-on-one matchups. You've got to get the pressure from Landry, from whoever it is on the other side in your committee, Finch, Gilbert, And they're starting Correa. to. I mean, it's, it's okay. But Sean Evans but is making some my plays. My point is Landry. when you start playing the, the, the better offenses, mm-hmm. which they will eventually, are they going to have enough yeah. to, to keep, the, well, keep them in the games? That's why I'm curious to see if this Jeffrey Simmons thing pans out. Now, I don't expect him to come in after missing 
you know, training camp and practices That's and all that. a lot to ask. You know, I, I, I think this is going to be more of a situational type thing, rotation, stuff like that. But I am curious to see, you know, what he does. I mean, even if he's just on the field, don't you think that a, an offensive line or, a, you know, an offensive coordinator is going to look at him and go, okay, I don't expect much out of him, but you can't just ignore him. Because that, you know, so that's going to, it could be more of a decoy thing and you're opening up. I mean, Jarrell Casey's got to gotta have a little bit more. And, you know, I know he's older now, but he's coming off an injury. He's looking better. He's looked better, you know, week in and week out. But I think that that could just help him uh, even having Jeffrey Simmons on the field. So I am curious to see what that does, you know, if in fact they get him back next week and, you know, whenever he, he plays. When we come back, a couple other Themes of the week, setting up the matchup with the Broncos. And then we'll go to Atlanta at 1245, talk to Chris Domino. Tim Hasselbeck joins us at noon. This is Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game. Marcus, you guys have kind of been in a pattern for a year or so of win a game, it look really good, and then the next week it's not quite so good. Is there any sort of culture problem that you see with that? What do you think the issue No, I don't is? think there's a culture problem. Um, you know, obviously, consistency is something that we've preached all offseason, things that we um, want to get better at. Um, but, no, I don't think there's anything culturally that's wrong with this team. Marcus Mariota at the podium just a few minutes ago. Vehemently denying that there's any kind of culture problem. Saying what he should say as the quarterback. And I don't really think there is either. No, I don't think so. I don't sense it. Uh, you, no, I, th- I, think, I think it's normal to have a certain level of frustration when you're two and three. Yeah, right. I, Some of that should be if 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 nobody was frustrated, then I think you'd be going, "Why is nobody frustrated? You're two and three, right?" There should be a right. healthy a healthy level of frustration. I I think that you have basically a locker room that is in segments. You know, I think I don't think they're clicking on all cylinders as one you know well oiled machine. And so I think that's a part of the problem. I think they have a, a very, very talented left tackle that could be much more than he is, but he's got a bunch of other stuff that he's worried about that he doesn't need to worry about. Well, I I do think he he should have thought more about the fact that he wasn't there for mm-hmm. the first month, and then you come back for one game and you're the spokesperson for the entire team, the coaches included, the organization. You know, I I didn't think that was – I didn't think that was played out very well. But let's get back to Mariota for a moment. One thing that was pointed out, they played five games now. And he has played the five games, even though he's been under a lot of heat, right? He's been pressured as much as any quarterback in the game. He's been sacked a bunch of times. But he has not played a game where he has been hindered, as far as we know, by any physical ailment. And so that knock is... Well, so far, right? It is a <laughs> knock on wood because... We we know the history, but to, he is to be given credit for taking a, a beating, being smart enough, even though he's taken a few chances. We've seen him diving for pylons and stuff, as, as he's got to do, in my opinion, to, to be effective. The unfortunate thing for me, as you evaluate him through five games, and we have to put in context the offensive line issues, but still, as Darren points out a lot, there's a lot of teams that have issues with offensive line. Yep. The best quarterbacks figure out a way to get the numbers. I would have thought, I would have theorized before the season started, give me Marcus Mariota, not hindered by any physical ailments. The numbers should be better. 
And in some respects, the numbers are better. He's got seven touchdown passes and no interceptions. None. But his his productivity is still not great. He ranks, again, I go to my reference, football outsiders, he is 25th in the quarterback rankings. And it's just, it's not where it's got to be right. for them to be successful. And I would have thought, because last year you could say, well, you know what, he was out there, he had the weird nerve thing. The year before he was playing for probably a month, not being able to move the way he normally does because of the hamstring, and that takes its toll. You don't have that this year. So and putting Mike on Vrabel weight, saying, I think, has helped. Yes. And so that, that was Mike Vrabel. Yeah. You know, he was asked sort of about that. He's like, hey, bottom line is he's been out there for every snap. That's a good thing. But still got to get to another level there, right? I, yeah, and I thought John Glennon did a really good job with his article on The Athletic in you know explaining – Two and a half seconds. That when he gets rid of the football in two and a half seconds, because how many of these great quarterbacks do we talk about? Brady, Mahomes, that they don't hang on to the, They get rid of it. They they find their they go through well, their progressions. Some do, Mahomes hangs on to it. Well, right, he runs around back there, and then you don't know where he's, but he's throwing it. You know that, that's kind of how he yeah. is. So he was. But a I bad think example. I think generally every right. quarterback, if you can stay on rhythm, yes, and will Brady. Have Brady is one of those we've heard sure. Darren bring up that. You know, if he does need more time, he does the side step he or shuffle. he steps up. Yeah. You know, he's not very mobile, but he's able to move around within the pocket. The thing that stands out to me that we have discussed time and time again about Marcus is that he, if that first read is available, he's golden. He gets rid of the football in under two and a half seconds. He gets it to whoever the the first option is. Boom! Positive yardage. Everything's good. It's when he needs to take more time. Then he has to go through his progression. He doesn't go through it very fast. He needs the more time, and he doesn't have the offensive line to get him that. And if he hangs on to the football more, that's generally when bad things happen. Either he's overthrowing, he's forcing it, or he's getting sacked. And it, it, we, we've, I think, hit on this point, but as you say that, he should be a quarterback that if things break down, with his mobility, he should be able to run a certain amount. But he, there's been so many times he gets trapped inside I think he takes the too pocket. Long. I don't know if he. I don't know if he does or not. It's it's hard. Like some guys just are better at getting out of there. He, for for whatever reason, has not been able to. I think sometimes it's the push, the physical. His guys are getting pushed back into it. The pocket is collapsed, and he has not been able to find escape routes to get out and use his mobility. That Steve McNair used to frustrate the heck out of defenses because you'd think you'd have them, and okay, we're we're getting to it, and then boom. He's gone. Even Vince Young, at his at his best, he you thought he could score, and did have long runs a lot of times. And Mariota has had some this year for whatever reason though doesn't seem to be running, getting loose to run under the pressure. Right? It's not right. people. People are getting consistent pressure and not getting burned by him slipping out and just running for thirty or forty yards. I thought I thought he had a couple of those by now. Yeah, I agree. And I and I don't know if that's him being cautious or if that's just he's really trying to find you know the the receiver he's trying to make the play without having to result in a you know the the you know in doing that so I I don't know I don't know what has changed with that or if it's a little bit of just hey you know I'm going to do what I can to protect myself so um but I think that's a good point but but I've seen him try to get out sometimes and just he he can't get out there's two or three guys grabbing at his leg he just can't get loose And and you know that you have to put on 
some of that you put on the offensive line. Well, I, I think you put a, a considerable amount. Yeah. But I just I would think that there are sometimes like Deshaun Watson, we we admire every week. He he knows he's not going to be protected. Yeah. But he figures out a way to to make it happen. I think everything we're talking about goes back to the Mike Sando article in the Athletic about the quarterback tiers and that. Marcus Mariota is a tier three quarterback, meaning he has to have a strong supporting cast yeah. around him. And he's now, still, unfortunately, he's still playing in tier three. He is. Right? He is. And I think John Robinson did make this team better around him. He does have some offensive weapons that he can go to, but he didn't. You know, the offensive line continues to be a struggle. I think all of us thought Roger Saffold was going to be much better than he has been through the first five weeks of the season. None of us, you know, back in March thought that Taylor Lewan was going to get popped for PEDs and be out for the four, first four games. So those are things that we didn't expect that happen, and that's a part of the NFL. But that ties into the whole Tier 3 thing. It's not only throwing the ball to a receiver or handing off to a running back. You have to have the protection. And so if the protection around him isn't very good, he's going to play the way he plays. That's just how it is. He, you know, there are quarterbacks in this league – that you know don't have a very good offensive line, but you don't know, you you know you can never tell because that's just them. Marcus is not that guy. When we come back, we'll go to Atlanta. We'll talk to Chris Domino. Braves Cardinals game five this afternoon at four o'clock. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Uh, let's let's paint the picture for you here in the studio. Chase McCabe has his tomahawk chop going. He has his Braves jersey on. He can't wait. First pitch is. Over four hours away, but he's mentally ready. <sighs> Game five. I'm ready. I just hope Mike Fultonevich is ready. Yep, SunTrust Park. We're going to get a little more insight on that. Two Game Fives tonight. If you're a baseball fan, you got to be psyched about that. I cannot wait to sit back and watch. Chris Domino joins us from 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Does a great job of covering the Braves down there. So, Chris, let's just start with what Chase put out there. I'm sure it's on the, on the minds of all Braves fans who have watched Mike Fultonevich over the long haul. When he's on, he is fantastic. And lately, he has been fantastic. Uh, yeah. But he, he can he can blow up. He can have the bad yeah. inning. So what, what are your thoughts on, on where his head is right now? Because he has been in a groove right now. He was fantastic his first outing in this series. Yeah, somebody was asking me, hey, can he do that again? I was like, not many people could do that again. That's how good it was. Like, relatively speaking, if I get relative good compared to what was great, and that was a great outing, the Braves are going to be okay. What I can't have is the door swinging open in the third or the fourth because that just means you're going to try to bring too many guys out of the bullpen. And, you know, I, I say sometimes it's just bad math. You can't have five guys coming out of your bullpen and think that all five are going to be good on a given day. I'd like him to do his job, and his job today is a minimum of six. Love for it to go seven. You know, the guy he's thrown against, Jack Flaherty, had eight strikeouts, one walk, went seven innings, and gave up three runs. In today's baseball, that's a great outing. He just got outmatched by uh, Fulton Avich. Keep an eye on the strike zone early. You know, Mike's biggest problem has certainly been between the years in terms of composure, just maintaining it. There was an error behind him or a play that uh, Dancy Swanson, that was all he didn't make in his last outing. And we all got a little bit nervous, like, oh, what's going to happen now? But he was good. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what's working. I don't know what's not working. I hope he doesn't wake up from it because <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, he could be the key to the whole thing. If for no other reason, fewer guys coming out of the bullpen, which means less opportunity to have somebody not being on. You've got the two young arms in Max Freed, 
Mike Soroka. What are your yeah. what's your guess on how they would utilize those guys? Because we, we see in this day and age that it's Johnny Holstaff in Game Five, and it's not uncommon sure. at all for another starter to come in there. Well, look, if you told me it was going to be uh, Mike Fulton, Everett, Max Fried, and Soroka's closing the game, I'll take it. I think the one thing you're nervous about is having those guys, Fried and Soroka, come in with a mess on the bases. You know, I'd love to see them come in in a clean inning. Now, what's ridiculous, and I don't want to harp on it because it's always been ridiculous, the idea that one league has a DH and the other doesn't absolutely changes the way that you manage. You could have a guy and he can go lights out, and all of a sudden you go, well, he's up, you know, he's up the next inning. His spot is up the next inning. Well, I can't let him go to bat. I'm in a 2-1 game. And a guy who's effective, you've got to really figure out, is it worth it to bring him up, or do I just have to do what a lot of times the book says and pinch hit and try to get a run, whether I'm up a run or down a run? And that's the ridiculousness of the two leagues playing different different brands of baseball. But if you told me it was Fulton Avich, it was Freed, and then it was Soroka, I'll take it. Look, at the end of the day, I'll have to answer if it doesn't work, if Freed or Soroka doesn't come out of the pen and do a good job. Well, you know, that's not what they do for a living. Why would you do that? Well, I'm going to do it because they're, the, they're my best arms. Mm-hmm. In fact, the other night, Davey Martinez walks out. Well, he didn't walk out. The pitching coach did. Max Scherzer's on the mound. Bases loaded in 6-1 game. 99 pitches in. Well, I'd rather go to the press conference saying, you know, Max Scherzer gave up a grand slam, but what do you want me to do? It was Max Scherzer. I can do the same thing if I'm the Braves manager. Freed Soroka and it doesn't work, I'm going and I'm going to ask, what arm was actually more capable or better than the two that I just put out there? And the answer is going to be nobody. No I question. I can live with that. No question. It, do you, it's Chase and I have been speculating this. People have been wondering. Freddie Freeman has not had a great series. He's he's had some opportunities that haven't haven't gone his way. He's a great player. Yeah. Is he physically okay, or is, is something bothering no. him? No. Look, he was unrecognizable on Monday. I've seen Freddie Freeman with eye problems. I've seen Freddie Freeman with wrist problems. I've never seen that Freddie Freeman the other day. It was a three-punch-out day, but it was worse than that. It felt worse than that. He was flailing. He was looking. He was swinging. Swings and misses. Um, yeah, there's got to be something wrong with him, unless there's something we don't know about besides the elbow. And I, I'm not telling you there is or there isn't. But, but that version of him, it makes it harder to win a game. Now, do I still want him in a lineup hitting third? Yes. Is he in a lineup hitting third? Yes. The Marcakis one, by the way, is the interesting one because they still have him hitting fifth today. They moved Dansby. Uh, they didn't actually. They kept him hitting eighth, which was a little bit surprising. Adam Duvall is playing today instead of Matt Joyce. But the Marcakis being dropped down was something I would have considered. Somebody said, what about dropping Freddie? I said, there's a better chance that I get the call out of the bullpen today <laughs> than Freddie Freeman not hitting third for the Braves. And I'll go further than that, that they signed me to a 10-year deal today and have me come out of the bullpen today. So that was never really going to be an issue. Um, I, If I'm guessing, and it's so stupid to do this, but I think it's a Donaldson at bat that actually swings this game. I, I think he's the guy that's got the one-swing ability today to maybe change this whole thing. Chris Domino is with us, 680 The Fan in Atlanta and the Braves Radio Network as well. And you brought up Adam Duvall. I thought that was interesting. He's been clutch at times during this series. And so I was curious if uh, Brian Snit was, Snitker was going to make a change and put him in. Yeah. I like this move. I like that Duvall is starting today. Yeah. Part of it is when you see that a guy has the capability and the moment's not too big for him to come up with a pinch hit, you'd like an ability to put him anywhere you want, to take your shot when you want to. But the four ABs over what Matt Joyce hasn't done is, is, is the play right now. You know, it stinks, whether it's Camargo, who didn't have a great year, Charlie Culberson, who did at times. That's the reality of this game. Nobody cries. And by the way, nobody actually has to say, excuse me, I think, thank you. Thank you. I did just try. Thank you. Um, 
Nobody wants to have to say that at the end of the day, you were hurt, therefore. And nobody, by the way, if the Cardinals win and you go, well, you know, the Braves were a little bit depleted, they don't have to answer to that either. It's just part of what it is. You don't, you're not guaranteed anything. You're certainly not guaranteed health. It's a different team, but then you still got to find a way to win. The, the thing that I have, you know, and you just brought up some players that have been key for the Braves on the bench throughout the year and they're not available, but, you know, Hetrovia was a, a late addition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Billy Hamilton was another one. You know, Rafael Ortega has been one that, that has uh, come up and played well. I feel like that, that Brian Snitker has a bench that's deep enough, and we've seen it in this series, that in clutch situations he's got the guys that can, uh, can get the hits. Yeah, look, they went with six bench guys, and they took Julio Tehran off. Chris Martin gets hurt. Julio Tehran comes back. So it was a six, six-man bench. Is it a perfect bench? No. Billy Hamilton, I like the opportunity to use him. What's crazy is, if you think about it, there was a game the other day that everybody that contributed uh, was a guy who wasn't here last year, and some of them weren't here until parts of the year. You know, And it is interesting. I think Alex Anthopoulos, if there's still such a thing as executive of the year, I think he probably wins it. I can make a case that Snickers should be the manager of the year, although it's hard to go back-to-back on that one. This is not perfect, but I don't need perfect. The Cardinals aren't perfect. The thing that worries me about them is Marcelo Zuna in game one hit a double down the line, and he was such a dog in September. And I swear to God, I looked at everybody I was with, and I said, that's not what we needed. We don't need this guy feeling good about himself. And lo and behold, he's felt really good about himself. Goldschmidt's just a great player. Ozuna's a streaky, really good player. And unfortunately, you sort of woke him up. He's emotionally into this thing. And, and think about this. You know, I think we've talked about this before, guys. I'm a big believer in something that doesn't really exist in baseball, but I think it should. Uh, I talked about it for the last couple of years. Plays made, plays not made. They're not errors. They're not what shows up in the E-column. But there was a double play possibility the other day with Toronto on the mound. And Marcelo Zuna beats it out by a half a step. So you still have the man on third base with less than two outs. They win the game in the next at-bat. You've got to make every play that presents itself to you. It's just, it's killer. You got a guy 0-2, you don't put him down, he ends up with a hit. A pitcher gets a hit, uh, you're up 3-0 in a count, you don't find your way to first base. Those are real things. Now, nobody keeps track of them as far as I know, but I think there's probably supposed to be another column that says plays made, plays not made. And, and keep an eye on that today as you're watching it. See, see who wins that battle and, and see if it doesn't really equate to who moves on and who goes home. Chris, what's been the response in your market to leaving the bases loaded twice and then, you know, in the late innings not be, being able to bring Acuna home? Yeah, it's horrific. The guy had four hits as your leadoff hitter and didn't score a run. I mean, think <laughs> I about that. That's hard. He had a leadoff triple and a leadoff double and didn't score. Yeah, it's, it's the, oh, God, here we go again. Like, are we actually going to have to play a game five where we know that we have not been good at this stuff in this town? Uh, here's the number, guys. This is the frightening number of the day. Since the Atlanta Braves last won a, a postseason series, 26 other teams in baseball have won at least a wild card game, if not more, in the postseason. Think about that. Ugh. Like, you're not just another guy. You're worse at it than just another guy. So when you see those types of innings, when you see the game end the way it, it did the other day in game four, of course you go back to the, we're going to have to talk about this one. It's another brick in the wall of crap. We're going to figure out which goofy way you're going to lose the game today. Because that game was winnable. And Yadier and Molina had a pass ball. They dropped a pop-up in foul territory. Matt Carpenter butchered a ground ball. They had a ball hit the top of the third base bag. They had Dexter Fowler make a terrible play to get Acuna to third to start an inning. And the one that really calls me that nobody's talking about, Acuna hit a ground rule double that Azuna was laying on his ass. If the ball doesn't go three feet over the wall and it just hits the wall, 
it's at least a triple, maybe an inside-the-park home run. Now, I'm not telling you that wins you the game, but it's, it's when you look back at the totality of that game, you go, oh, yeah, let's not forget about the ground rule double. That was actually a bad luck moment for the Atlanta Braves. So yeah. many times. I mean, that, that's postseason baseball It just will drive you insane, insane with that stuff. Gives I'm you just gray the, hair. The outstretched glove of Freddie Freeman just nicks off. I mean, right. the, the broken bat, the, the guy before, so two, two hits that were not well-hit yep. balls that end up tying 63, the game. 63-mile-per-hour exit velocity is the thing that's sort of being – Hey, look, I thought you were going to lose the game when Nick Markake is trying to double up a guy, hit a guy in the ass, and he gets a free 90 feet. And I said, we're actually going to lose a game on a guy got hit in the ass type moment. So, you know, those are the things that go through your head when you starve to have something go right. Chris, excellent stuff. This is going to be fun. This is why we love baseball. Uh, good luck to the Braves. I, I'm actually I, – I, I just get so wound up when a team I'm following is in a game like this because I know yeah. it's going to be excruciating to watch as a baseball fan just to let it uh, play out. It's very enjoyable. I know it won't well, be like I, that for a lot of Braves fans today. Yeah, I said if I didn't have a vested interest in this, this would be fascinating. It would be a lot of fun. But I do, so it's not. Let me let me ask tonight, because <laughs> I know Nashville's a big Braves town. 4 o'clock this afternoon in your time, is there a bar mentality for this game? Is there anything like that going on around Nashville? Oh, I think so. I, I I can tell you what I'm doing after this show is I'm going to go find a bar and have a beer. And yeah. the, the amount of beers I have depends on how this game goes. Right. And I, I would say, Chris, yeah, it's, it's not it's, like it was in the TBS era when when so okay, many sure. people right. were watching yep. this team every yep. night. But uh, and I would say there, there's a pretty strong contingency of Cardinals fans that live in our area as well. They're right. probably second to the Braves or third behind the Reds right. when the Reds are good. It's it's yeah. kind of split there. But uh, So I think a lot of people in our area will be watching, for sure. I don't know. I'm sure you guys saw the Manfred thing about the Oakland A's. Well, uh, be prepared, because I do think Nashville is next in line. I know Montreal might not want to hear it, but whether it's Tampa or whether it's Oakland or it's somebody else, uh, I do think that your viewership might actually have a little bit of a say. Uh, I, I believe that's a baseball town. I don't know if it's populated enough i don't know if you could actually convince somebody that they should spend money to build their own stadium i don't know about any of that stuff chris but we I got renderings there's a group moment. there's a group that's already put <laughs> yeah. renderings together i, I, I could have put renderings up there though i i have I questions know. about well, the tampa, renderings tampa 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 has renderings oakland has renderings so <laughs> right. but I, I, I you you get the point i do think that you can prove sort of that you know what we do enjoy this sport enough and we're a big enough town to go support it i'm not telling you you can document it and declare it and have it be so but, but I do think there's moments like this when you kind of look at a town that doesn't have baseball right in and you go, I wonder how interested they are in any of this stuff. I, I think Nashville's probably interested enough to have this conversation. I think so. Chris, thanks a lot for, for the time, and okay. uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Have a great one. All right. Chris Domino, 680, the fan, covers the Braves, does an excellent job. That was a good table setting for yeah, what's going to be a great I game. I can tell you if the Braves end up losing, I'll probably call his show tomorrow so I can complain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let us know how that goes. I will. All right, when we come back, Tim Hasselbeck will join us. We'll talk some NFL football with him. Stay tuned.